May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Amen. So this week is the third week in our season of creation, this time of year when we join with Christians of many denominations around the world. It is an opportunity to hear anew the invitation to join God's creative work, renewing God's gift, our common home. And this year, we are using the title Oikos, a home for all, which offers an invitation to proclaim that all life belongs to God. This year, we are reminded that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and others have called the oikos of God the beloved community, a community in which all of life are equally members, equally precious to God. This year, we are encouraged to contemplate the central image of Abraham and Sarah's tent, and we are invited to consider this world as God's tent where all are offered welcome, shelter, refuge, and safety. Over these weeks, we've been looking at some of the words that have oikos as their root. So we've looked at economy, for example, which is about the life-sustaining relationships among all who share our common home as members of God's oikos. And last week, we looked at ecology, which acknowledges that our lives are not separate from, but enmeshed in the relationships that hold the web of life together. Relationships between animals, plants, non-sentient organisms, and minerals, and us, that each play a vital role in maintaining the balance of God's beloved community. This week, we are looking at oikomeni, or ecumenical, which has come to mean churches working together and the kind of relationships that that sustain that work, that hold us together. Uh, This logo on the screen is the logo of the World Council of Churches, which is one of the main mechanisms that creates space for those relationships to happen. There are a lot of things that hold us apart as churches, but there is a lot that pulls us together and there is a lot of work we can do together. And the World Council of Churches offers a mechanism by which we can do that. Bonnie and I have both been uh, privileged to attend Uh, the World Council of Churches General Assembly. Bonnie is one of our representatives in Harare uh, a little over 20 years ago, and I went as an observer for part of the one in Porto Alegre about 15 years ago. And they are amazing, amazing events. We could get Bonnie to talk about that sometime. But the word oikomeni originally meant the whole inhabited earth. When in Luke, it says that the emperor required a census of all the empire, the whole inhabited earth. The uh, word that was used was oikumeni. So this word ecumenical is more than all the churches working together. 
It is the whole of God's created world. It is all the people and all the life that exists in this world. We are all linked. And this word, wakumeni, or ecumenical, reminds us that we are all linked. Tragically, we too often separate out the parts and we treat them as distinct and not related to each other. We need to repent. We need to gain a bigger mind or perspective. We need to see the world differently. We need to see humanity enmeshed in and part of God's world to live in ways that allow all of God's beloved community to thrive. And for that, we need wisdom. Uh, Most of the readings we heard this morning uh, are sometimes described as being about wisdom, God's wisdom. So Psalm 1, the book of Proverbs and James are part of this wisdom literature. And we can see from the reading from Mark uh, what shows us what happens when we do not have wisdom. We live for our own advantage. Jesus is teaching about his upcoming death and resurrection, and the disciples have an argument about who will succeed him in this movement as leader. It's all about them. Our world and Christianity, Christianity too often devolves down to being all about me. Uh, I think I made a mistake and sent out the wrong readings this morning, so I was a little surprised by the Proverbs reading, which was supposed to be about the capable wife. And uh, I, whenever I hear this reading, I immediately think of the Mollisons, actually, because uh, the first year that I was in the parish uh, and we had this reading, Hannah Mollison was doing the reading. And she and Margie came to me and said, do I have to do this reading? And I said, yes, you do. And part of the problem with the reading from Proverbs 31 about the capable wife is that it comes out of a world where women were property. And you can read that. And it has been used in that way. And it has been used over the centuries by men in the church to limit and control women. It is not an easy passage. But it's an important passage and uh, because I, I think it's a radical passage and I want to just uh, focus on a couple of things this week and then relate them back to our season of creation. The first thing to note is that a number of commentators has suggested that a different translation might have been more appropriate for the word that is translated as capable. When this same Hebrew word is applied to a man, it is about courage and strength. It is a term used of heroes. Uh, But somehow when it's applied to a woman, it's just a capable wife. And maybe uh, this would be, I mean, clearly they struggled with how to translate it in terms of a woman. Uh, Other translations aren't a lot better in the NRSV, but maybe it's a heroic wife or a courageous wife or a strong wife. We also need to note that this passage comes at the end of the Book of Wisdom. The Book of Wisdom is about all her qualities. Wisdom is in the feminine. 
And so it is all about the qualities of wisdom. And some commentators have wondered if finishing this book in this way is much more than just being about the ideal wife, that it is a final descriptor of the nature of wisdom. When we open ourselves to wisdom, we are not, then we become people who are not to be fooled by beauty or charm, but instead become people with the following qualities. We are not self-centered. We are trustworthy, hardworking, run a good household, a household where uh, the well-being of everyone in that household is important. Uh, the woman in this reading uh, is an astounding woman, actually. She runs not only a good household, she runs the farm and she runs a good business. She is a merchant as well. She plans ahead. She is generous, giving to the poor and the needy. She is wise and happy, living for the benefit of all. When we have this kind of wisdom, then we too are not self-centered, trustworthy, living for the benefit of all, joining with God in the work of protecting and healing God's gift of our common home. We need this kind of wisdom now more than ever. The word ecumenical reminds us that what we do affects the lives of women and children and men around the world. We are not isolated living on a little island. Well, we are a little bit at the moment, but even now our choices, our lifestyle choices affect people all around the world. And what we do also affects the lives of our brothers and sisters in creation around the world. This can feel huge and daunting. Issues of climate change, biodiversity loss, pollution, the enormous issues facing people around the world are so many. But the word ecumenical also reminds us that we are not alone in this work. We are part of God's people, the worldwide church. And what we do might seem small, but we are not alone in this mahi. We join with millions, if not billions of others, trying to live wisely to protect our common home. So I want to finish with a video that comes from the Marshall Islands in the Pacific. It's a part of a series of uh, poems written by Pacific Island poets uh, that have been uh, um, filmed, uh, used as the basis for a film uh, as a way of encouraging people to get involved in climate change issues. Uh, and I do this both uh, to remind us that we are part of the Pacific and what we do affects our brothers and sisters in the Pacific, but also to remind us that we are part of a people all around the world who are trying to take this issue seriously and who are trying to change the way that we do things. <laughs> 